Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's getting spooky out there. Whoa. Yes. Fall is rumbling on. It's a spooky, scary season. Leaves are still falling. Actually, I just realized it's very apropos that here in this Halloween time of the year that today's preview will be focusing on the team that wears orange and black. Spoiler alert. It'll be Oklahoma State, although I mentioned that last week. But thank you for tuning in, everybody. Things are going well. Hope you're doing well. Well, things are going as well as possible, I guess, nationwide. But this is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. I am Jonas Nordman, humbly bringing you the news around the Big 12 and around Kansas basketball ever since February. And we are slowly yet surely rumbling our way towards the start of college basketball season. Although, with a lot of the news that's going on in college athletics and the NFL, I don't know. It's sort of taking a chunk out of my enthusiasm, but I'll get to that in just a second, actually. I have, a, I have a little bit of a piece written for that. But other than that, we do have some news out of Lawrence as well as Columbia, Missouri. And then our Big 12 preview will steam on into the land where the water does not move. Stillwater, Oklahoma. We're going to talk about the cowpokes and their very unimpressive head coach, Mike Boynton. But he's not the headline down there. Regardless, let's do the news. This is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Here's what I believe. That. This was probably inevitable. (laughs) But the news came out, I believe it was yesterday. Yes. Oh, no. Sorry. Two days ago. That And here's the tweet from at KU Hoops. Due to COVID-19 challenges, an agreement has been made to delay the upcoming series versus Missouri by one season. So the six-game series, Kansas versus Mizzou, going to be pushed back. They are not going to play this upcoming season. Feels about right. The whole point of it's a money grab and the, to get fans in the seats. And if you're going to have limited, limited attendance or no attendance at all, then what's the point? So you can expect to see those disgusting black and gold colors in that terrible fight song in another year. But apart from that, I'm, I still don't really know how to feel <laughs> about this series, you know? And let me know. My Instagram's at JonasN310. Twitter's at JoeNasty90 if you, if you really want to get at me there. Slide into the DMs. But... I still don't really know how I feel about this series. I know on the surface level, it's Kansas, it's Missouri. And will I watch it? Of course. When I see that Tiger logo, when I see the block M, my blood starts boiling. And I'll watch with passion. Don't get me wrong. But to me, the whole series sort of feels like KU is kowtowing to Mizzou. Like It sort of feels like the reason... Kansas won't play Wichita State in the regular season, right? Why? Because it doesn't look good for them. It does nothing for KU. 
if Kansas beats Wichita State, great. That's what you're supposed to do. You're the big bad Jayhawks from the Big 12. It's just the feeble shockers out of Wichita State. Kansas is not ever going to play in Wichita. Why play a game in state within the same borders and not get the gate revenue? Doesn't make sense for Kansas. All, all a game against Wichita State would do is benefit Wichita State. Because if then if the Shockers won that game, it's big news. They print T-shirts. They make DVDs. Maybe it hurts you in recruiting. You get where I'm going with this. And I sort of feel like it's the same thing for Mizzou. They are the ones that left. They are the ones that ditched Kansas. They are the ones who are essentially irrelevant right now. I know they p- picked up a football win over LSU. But right now, LSU is not really playing that great. And Mizzou picking up that victory has sort of faded into the college football consciousness. Like, this is now, this is a moment for, for Missouri. This is a moment for them to get back on the national stage. This is only going to help their recruiting for the next six years, saying you are going to have the chance to play against Kansas in hostile environments for the, next, for the duration of your career. This is putting Mizzou back on national TV, probably ESPN, I presume. Maybe CBS. So that's, that's how I feel. I, I feel like Kansas is throwing Mizzou a bone. I know that Kansas and KU will, will probably get some substantial checks out of this. I know the fans are probably passionate about it. This probably means a lot more to the people who are there in the region but in the same sense of why is Kansas why would Kansas play a game within their borders at Wichita? Why would they play two games at Sprint Center? Well, they'd have to do this anyway. I know they play games at the Sprint Center regardless. But I have to read the deal. But I assume they're going to split the gate with Mizzou for those Sprint Center games. And then Columbia being not that far away. You're still within the region. I don't know. I, I feel like Kansas is sort of throwing a bone to Missouri by playing the series. Yes, I'll watch. This will be amazing. But Missouri's irrelevant. You know, who knows what's going to happen over the course of six years. This time last year, who knew that we would have been stuck inside for the entirety of the calendar year? And we don't know how recruiting cycles and NCAA violations and players staying, players going are going to affect things. But as it stands right now, Kansas is the superior program. It should have a powerful winning record in that six-game series. The only time Missouri has mattered in basketball since they left the Big 12 was two years ago, was it? They got Michael Porter Jr., because his dad was fired from the University of Washington as the assistant coach. Quanzo Martin, the head coach of Mizzou, picked him up, picked up the, the dad. Michael Porter Jr. went there, hurt his back, barely even played. They went to the NCAA tournament, lost in the first round. Turns out Michael Porter Jr., pretty solid NBA player, really talented actually, uh, just might be a really bad teammate. <laughs> That became a little bit of a little bit apparent during this bubble run. They're running the playoffs. Said some things in the media. Was like anti-mask also. 
So kind of a weirdo. But that's the only time that anyone has cared about Missouri basketball. But we'll see this <laughs> the series will get going in 2021. All right. I have to get that off my chest. Jonas Nordman, believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Yeah, I'm going to watch. And when the ball is tipped, the game is on. This is sounding like one shiny moment for a second here. Uh, the ball is tipped. There you are, is, is how the lyrics go. I'll probably forget everything I just said. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> it's okay. I can admit it. But for the time being, uh, I'm not about it. But once that, that game's going and it's intense and the crowds are going insane, I see those stupid antlers, student section there in Columbia. I'll be like, this is perfect. I'm so glad we're beating them down. But we're a long way between now and then. Moving on to something else that has taken some lead out of my pencil. Look, college basketball practice started yesterday. And if you've been listening to the show since February, if you've picked it up here and there over the course of the year, you've heard me treading water as we've made our way through the longest offseason in college basketball history. You know that I am counting down the days. I'm like someone in a jail cell putting up the, you know, the marks of how long, not how long I've been here in this cell that we call life, but more so counting down the days. But... I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have the same juice yesterday when I saw that college basketball practice started. No boot camp finished for KU last week. We talked about it. But sort of the events that are happening around us sort of quelled my buzz. And the reason is I just don't know. And I just – I don't see great things on the horizon for college basketball. There's going to be delays. It's going to be an S show. I'll start with college football. Nick Saban, right? If Nick Saban and the athletic director for Alabama, say what you want about the state, say what you want about Alabama, football means more down there. They were going to play. But those guys came down with COVID-19, right? We've seen Baylor get hit hard. Hello, here in Kansas, I think the news broke. Just as I signed off from last week's episode, I think just as I turned off the recording, news broke, Les Miles, COVID-19, coronavirus, the head coach of Kansas football, if you forgot. So that, that was one thing. It's like, so these head coaches who are up in their lofty perches, who make more money than God, they're coming down with it. Hopefully they're okay. I, I wish nothing but the best for all the names I just mentioned. But then I just look at the NFL and I know it's the NFL. This is a college basketball, Kansas basketball show. How does this matter? Well, I've mentioned it a few times on this, on these airwaves, on these recorded tapes, whatever you want to call it that the NFL is going by with an honor system, right? If you want to play the season so bad, you got to stay safe, and this season will get finished. We'll play football. 
we're not going into a bubble. That's pretty unfeasible for 32 teams of about, was it a 50-man roster, 52-man roster, plus practice squads, plus support staff. Like the NFL, who has all the money in the world, wasn't going to make a bubble for that. So you guys better keep yourself safe. We're going to find the coaches who don't wear the masks on the sidelines. It's all about the optics, blah, blah, blah. And what do you know? The Tennessee Titans have been a disaster. Cam Newton got sick. And just today, when I woke up, I saw that the Atlanta Falcons themselves, who have their own issues beyond what's going on with the virus, they are shutting down their facilities as well. So if these pros who are actually getting paid to play this season can't be trusted, I mean, these college kids who are amateurs not getting paid don't make the best decisions. Like, let's be honest. I don't know. I'm not feeling great about the upcoming college basketball season. Again, would love to be proven wrong. I'm, I'm hoping the entire college basketball season gets played. No hiccups, no hassles. We'll see you in March. Let's have some great play. But considering everything I just laid out for you, considering what we know about college basketball players, and this is a sweeping generalization, I know. I probably sound like a major D. A lot of us have gone to school, these big universities. A lot of us have gone to Kansas. We know how these, these kids act. Hopefully the same honor system applies, and they will be playing in a bubble for a portion of the season, which I guess is all right. We can count on that portion of the season being clean, squeaky clean, ready to go. But let's just say not as jazzed as maybe I was even just yesterday. Just, I don't know. I just sat down and I thought about it today. I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be tough to deal with. In fact, let me pull up this tweet from Rick Pitino, which is quite the sentence to say here in 2020. I think he put it down pretty well. He said this yesterday, college basketball starts up today with practice. There will be postponed games and disruptions all season long. We are not in a bubble and need to get the season into March. Stay upbeat and positive. That's Rick Patino. Talk about a squeaky clean image, am I right? In fact, he didn't even say, let's do our best to stay, stay clean. Let's do our best to make sure this virus doesn't hit. This tweet just said, oh, postponements are coming. The season is going to be disrupted. <laughs> We're not in a bubble. But we need to do what we can. He's not even saying, let's get the season in. He's saying, we got to get ourselves to March despite all that. Let's stay upbeat and positive. That's actually a very dour tweet, I believe, from Rick Pitino. By the way, those of you listening, do you know where he's coaching right now? Yes, Iona. Go Gales. He's back in college basketball, folks. And he sees a lot of bumps on the horizon. I'm right there with him. So, we're almost to college basketball season. Woo! Stay safe out there.
let's do our part. Maybe it'll trickle down to college basketball, and we will have ourselves a most excellent season. Should we learn about Oklahoma State? This is intriguing. We know what the headline is, and I'll get to it. The elephant in the room. But let's talk about the Cowboys. Believe in Jayhawks basketball show, Jonas Nordman, at JonasN310 on Instagram, at Jonasty90 on Twitter. Tell me I'm being a fool. Tell me that this will be the best season ever. After the tournament got canceled last year, that we are due for some absolute magic. Or tell me that you agree. I don't know. OSU, very mediocre last year. Probably you could say they were bad. 18 and 14 overall, a very convenient, also 7 11 conference record. 67.6 points per game, 310th in the nation. Yikes. 35.8 rebounds per game, 196th in the nation. 11.8 assist point, assist per game, tied for 328th in the nation. They allowed 66.1 points per game. They did finish the year strong, though. Won five of the last six. In fact, they won their last four games in a row. That one loss in that stretch, though, major blowout loss to Kansas, 83-58. to And these two teams actually would have played, not these two teams, Kansas and Oklahoma State were in line to play each other in the Big 12 tournament the day of cancellation. The real headline here, apart from their number one recruit, is the fact that they have a postseason ban this year. <laughs> they have no carrot at the end of a stick, does Oklahoma State. So how motivated will these kids be? I guess we'll find out. But yeah, no tournament, no NIT, no CBI for OSU. What did they lose? A decent amount, really. The leading scorer, Cam McGriff. They lost 10.5 points per game from Lindy Waters. He finally graduated. He was there for a while. Thomas, I'm going to butcher this last name, Giagua, Ziagua. Then they also lost Yor Anel. It was their leading field goal percentage man. You know, he battled down low. Then Jonathan Laurent. Who do they bring back? Well, their lone returning starter, actually, is Isaac Leakley. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's a junior guard. He scored 10.9 points per game last year. Not a great outside shooter. They bring back the Boons, the Boone twins. No, not T. Boone. I believe he passed. Caleb and Keelan Boone, two sophomore forwards. I read the names, and I was like, didn't they have pretty impressive debuts? Didn't they play pretty well against Kansas? Then I looked at the box scores, and the two of them combined for 12 points total in the two games. And I, think, I think the high they scored in one of the games was like four or six. So, not to say they're not talented, though. Avery Anderson, a sophomore guard, returns, as does Chris Harris Jr., another sophomore guard. no. Not that Chris Harris Jr., who's now with the L.A. Chargers, former Jayhawk football great. Nice guy, too. Had the chance to interview him once. Really kind. 
3.4 points per game for Chris Harris Jr. Both he and Anderson played about 15 minutes per game last year as freshmen. So they wetted their beaks, if you will. They wetted their whistles. Big 12 experience goes a long way. We'll see how it helps. New players. Again, a lot of transition at the bottom of the Big 12. Eight new players, but it is the number 13 ranked recruiting class in the nation. You'll find out why in just a moment. Three transfers. Bryce Williams from Ole Miss. Farron Flavors from Cal Baptist. If he scores 31 points, do they say he has 31 flavors? Thank you. I'll be here. Well, I'll be here next week at this time. He supposedly is a really good shooter, though, out of Cal Baptist, which is not a basketball powerhouse. And then Bernard Kuma, who's a junior college transfer. The quote-unquote other freshman, if you will. Montreal Pena, who is not from Canada. Donovan Williams. And then Matthew Alexander Moncrief. The Matthew and the Alexander is hyphenated. It's not the other way around with the last name. I believe Matthew Alexander Moncrief is Canadian, though. Yes, he's from Ontario. How about that? The guy named Montreal is from Texas. Things that make you say, hmm. Then there's the other two freshmen on the roster. No, I'm not. I'm not to the big dog quite yet. Rondell Walker, a four-star recruit out of Oklahoma City. Probably would be the number one recruit on the team most years. If not for the next name I'm about to say, yes, I wrote this name in all caps in my notes. Cade Cunningham, the number one recruit in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports. If you go to ESPN, if you go to Rivals, whatever. This kid's either going to be number one, number two. I don't know. Maybe Jalen Green sneaks in there, Evan Mobley. He's a top three recruit. I go by 24-7. I think they're the best. And they have him as the number one in the nation, in the state, and at his position. He's a 6'8", smooth wing guard, small forward. You know, it's sort of positional basketball these days. He handles the ball. Have I seen him play a game this year? No. I watched a YouTube video. So take from this as you want. I tried to glean as much info as I could. But he is smooth. He sort of glides around the court. He appears to be a very complete player. Made his outside shots. Granted, the high school three-point line is much closer than the college one. But the shot doesn't look broken by any means. Like I said, appears appears that he can do it all. He didn't appear to be an explosive athlete, like the athleticism didn't just jump off the screen to me like it does. I remember watching the Andrew Wiggins mixtapes, right? I was like, oh, my God, this guy is made out of springs. I don't get that from Cade Cunningham, but, you know, maybe I'll watch a game and he's about to dunk it on someone's head. <laughs> There's only so much you can get from these high school mixtapes, right? The main thing is rarely are these recruiting services and rarely are scouts wrong. Like he'll be a good player. How good will he be? We'll see, but he'll be in the NBA in two years. He's got an NBA body. I'll put it that way. 
What's the outlook for Oklahoma State this year? I don't know. With the postseason ban, the season doesn't really have much purpose for Oklahoma State except to serve as an NBA draft springboard for Cade Cunningham. Like he's going to turn this into his own personal NBA draft mixtape. To me, at least, the surrounding cast seems pretty whatever. <laughs> Maybe Isaac Likely or Leakley. Shoot. I thought I knew his last name. He's been around for a few years now. Maybe he takes a big step along with Harris, along with Anderson, with the Boons, and maybe Rondell Walker puts in a pretty strong performance as like a supporting actor next to Cunningham. But it's hard to play with superstars. We see that in the NBA, and we certainly see that in college. Remember Ben Simmons at LSU? That was a bad team. They didn't even make the tournament. That's a lot of ifs also. That's if likely it takes a big step with Harris, with Anderson, with the two Boons, and also Rondell Walker. That's a lot of players who need to put in good shifts to raise this team to a different level. But I will say this. <laughs> For the two games which have not been announced yet, Marcus Garrett versus Cade Cunningham, and I'm talking with my hands right now because I'm so excited. This is an audio platform where you can't see it, but that's how jazzed I am about this. Marcus Garrett versus Cade Cunningham. That'll be must-see TV. We'll see the transformation. We'll see the rotations for KU as the season goes on. Maybe Tristan Enaruna with all his length. Takes a few stabs at Cunningham, who is 6'8", like I mentioned. But whew, the best perimeter defender in the nation going up against the number one recruit in the country who appears to be pretty ball dominant, will have the ball in his hands a lot at least. That will be yummy. With Cunningham in the fold, maybe OSU proves to be a thorn in the side of some Big 12 contenders. Maybe they pick up an upset or two. I think if everything goes well, they, they could finish fifth. Again, it doesn't matter to them. They're not going to make the postseason barring something falling down from the heavens in the middle of the year saying you're, you're good to go. I think seventh is more likely, or around seventh. I'm also just not really a fan of Mike Boynton, their head coach. There's a lot of talk of, like, this is a new era. He's a, a young up-and-comer. I think I talked about an article in the offseason. It was still the offseason. A couple months back of the ranking of the best young coaches, and he was like, I think he was number one. But anytime I watch OSU, I'm not impressed by the in-game coaching. They're totally committed to this 1-3-1 zone that is ineffective. The only reason he's sort of in the running as a top up-and-coming coach is because of his recruiting, his quote-unquote recruiting. You want to know how he got the number one recruit in the country to Oklahoma State? Oh, let's go to the page for Oklahoma State. Head coach Mike Boynton. Oh, assistant coach. Cannon Cunningham. Yes, that is the brother of Caden. Good recruiting there. And I'm not saying I abhor. I, I, I don't mind this practice of hiring relatives to get the best players to come to your program. But not, let's not sit here and say that he's a great recruiter when your best recruiting job was 
just to hire maybe – I mean, I, Kane and Cunningham could be a really good coach, but f- considering the results that OSU has had the last few years, like they have not been playing very well. So maybe what I'm about to say is a little harsh, but hiring an unqualified coach in order to bring his brother in, like that's not really good recruiting. If an expert wants to come on and tell me that Cannon Cunningham is in, in himself a great up-and-coming coach, please do tell. By the way, the assistant coaches for Oklahoma State, a little incestuous. Assistant coach, Scott Sutton. Yes, the son of Eddie Sutton. Director of player development, Keaton Page. Remember him? He was that scrawny little kid that was running around all the time with those teams with LeBron Nash. And Marcus Smart. In fact, I think he went to high school with Marcus Smart. But Barry Hinson is an analyst. If you recognize that name, yes, he was on Bill Self's staff a couple years ago at Kansas. Barry Hinson. I should mention Scott Sutton. Uh, I read his bio just to double check. It was Eddie Sutton's son. He actually served on Bill Self's staff at Oral Roberts. So Bill Self, the connection to Oklahoma State and the staff still there, runs deep. How's that? Does that? Did I sort of condemn Mike Boynton and his staff well enough there? Watch them finish like third now. <laughs> if they do, it'll be because of Cunningham, because of Cade. At least that's my opinion. He looks amazing. He probably will be amazing. And with no postseason ban or with no postseason in the future for Oklahoma State, that is a full license for Cunningham to go crazy, to do what he has to, to ensure he's like the number one pick in the draft. Oh, I saw an article. This is, I think this is really what lit a fire under my burr or put a burr in my saddle, I should say. <laughs> that was stupid. Um, the headline was, why did Cunningham stay at Oakland State? Because of Mike Boynton. No, it's not. I mean, maybe. Maybe Boynton's really developed that kind of relationship with you. But you want to play with your brother. All right. That was Oklahoma State. I thought I was going to come in here and be a little bit more positive about them, considering they have probably one of the best players in the country on their team. I feel like that one a little bit more negative than expected. Oh, well. We have sort of now moved out of the seedy bottom of the Big 12, and we are working our way into the meaty middle of the Big 12. We now have four teams that finished last season at 9-9 nine and nine in conference, which means we have a choice to make. The tiebreaker might have been by overall record, but I don't know if that's the order I want to go in. Perhaps write in and let me know. Who you want to hear about next? West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas, or Texas Tech? If we go by standings, if it's by overall record, Texas Tech will be next on the docket. But with them all being tied at 9-9 and last year, so essentially tied for third, that means the options are open. So write in to me, at JonasN310 on Instagram, at JoeNasty90 on Twitter. Do you want to hear about Texas Tech? Do you want to hear about Texas? Do you want to hear about Oklahoma? Or do you want to be do you want to be West Virginia? That I know is not true. Do you want to hear about West Virginia? All of them intriguing for sure. I will aggregate the votes and we'll go from there. But 
until then, I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. I hope I have not squashed any too much excitement about the upcoming year. I still can't wait. I just need games to be happening. So I still want the season to happen. Don't get me wrong. And let me know if I'm being an idiot about the KU Mizzou series. But until next Thursday, I will bid you adieu. Wish you a great rest of your week. And I'll leave with this. A hearty rock chalk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.